Welcome to the Nanalyze podcast. We are a boutique media and research firm specializing in disruptive innovation. Visit nanalyze.com for more details. Target stock, a steal, is the title of today's presentation. And this is relevant not only if you're an investor in TGT stock, but also if you're somebody who's invested in any big box retailer. And if you don't know what a big box retailer is, we're going to talk about that shortly. But first, I wanted to talk a little bit about when policing fails. So you hear a fair number of Americans, at least if you're reading what they say on social media, complaining about how the police system in the United States is broken. Well, I'm not so sure these people have ever traveled to a country where there are broken police systems. And a great example of one in a developed market would be in South Africa. Now, I spent a month there this past winter, and the places in which I stayed with locals all had electric fences, and I was uh, taught how to use the uh, exits and entries and how to turn off the security alarms and what to do when the alarm would go off unexpectedly at night because the battery had run down because they don't have much power and they need to have battery backup systems to protect against opportunists. These are people that go through neighborhoods checking fences or insiders. This is the plumber or the painter that you invited over to do some work on your house that uh, clued his friends in that you might have some valuable possessions. The stores and restaurants have security guards. The main reason that you see so much private policing, so in these neighborhoods where expats or let's say locals live and expats, of course, they're um, all private security forces that guard these neighborhoods. The police, you can't count on them. If you go to Joburg, um, everybody that I spoke with uh, that drives to Joburg knows full well you don't stop when the police pull you over. You drive to a police station because a lot of the times the police in police cars wearing uniforms and badges, they aren't the police. They're somebody who will put a gun to your head and take all your stuff. So South Africa is a great picture of what happens when policing is broken. And when policing is broken, you'll have problems with big box retailers. So one retailer estimated that their inventory shrinkage, which is mostly from the theft of merchandise, would clip their profits this year by $500 million. Imagine that, the profits that are being clipped, not to mention the total volume of merchandise being stolen. Now, if you factor in the $700 million in profit they lost last year, this retailer is on pace to see $1.2 billion in profits go up in smoke due primarily to organized retail crime. These aren't people trying to get baby formula for their children. This is a bunch of lazy a-holes that are going out there and fleecing people who now have to pay more money. The person who actually has to go buy baby formula now has to pay more money because of this organized crime. Now, the CEO of this retailer said, the problem's actually getting worse. It's nationwide, and it's across various merchandise departments. So these opportunists are going in there and figuring out where the best place is to get merchandise, and then they're reselling it online. Now, the unfortunate fact is, says the CEO, violent incidents are increasing at our stores and across the entire retail industry. It's not just this chain and this common here. Beyond safety concerns, worsening shrink rates are putting significant pressure on our financial results. You think? That's pretty significant. So the question that we had when we heard this gentleman speak is, what's your plan to combat this problem? Now, this isn't in South Africa. This is actually in America. And it's a firm that you 
might be familiar with, Target, as they say, or Target. That was the chairman and CEO commenting on that previous slide. And here you see a major problem in the United States where people feel obligated because of their political party to pull an ostrich move and pretend that these problems don't exist. You see this article from CNN earlier this year saying, Stores say shoplifting is a national crisis. The numbers don't back it up. And you see this comment from that article that says, well, it's just easier for companies and the public to blame theft for store closures and retail struggles than admit that stores overexpanded or made mistakes in strategy or that customers are abandoning their um, stores for online shopping. That's a bunch of BS. So when you look across all big box retailers that are suffering these problems, the theme and the messaging is consistent, unless you're calling them all liars. So this individual at Target, their chairman and CEO, so somebody notable, says a few other things. So it is widespread. And I can tell you as I talk to my retail peers is that it's a common theme across all of retail. It'll vary by market, individual store, I'll bet it will. But the trends have been very persistent. And year on year, we continue to see increases in theft. This is a huge concern if you're somebody who's a dividend growth investor as we are and looks to target to provide monthly or say quarterly income creases that you rely on to live. So what are the proposed solutions? That's the one thing that we didn't hear this chairman and CEO of Target talking about. Well, there's a number of approaches you can take, and here you can see this smiling gentleman from the land of smiles. This is in the Philippines, and I spent a lot of time there establishing an office in Manila, and these individuals are everywhere. They're at fast food joints, or this is uh, looks like it could be a um, fast food joint there, or perhaps like a 7-Eleven. They're at uh, malls, all kinds of places. Uh, this is obviously perhaps a step too far in terms of the guns. You don't need that, but for whatever reason, these individuals happen to be controlling problems when it comes to theft or violence or social disruption. So you can choose armed guards, you can choose unarmed guards, probably the smarter way to go. Robots probably won't work. Neither will technology because these organized criminals are really about brute force. What you need are two stacked security guards at each door checking exits. It's really simple. You have greeters and exit people at Walmart that sit there with a highlighter and check your receipt. Make it a couple big lads that'll tackle anybody that goes to leave the door and then do what Area 51 of the U.S. government does in highly sensitive locations is that you hire a third-party security firm to deal with your security so that you can remove that liability. And you're gonna, it's going to cost you more money, but that's, what, that's the way that you do it. And when you look at Target's opening hours, so they're open from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Monday through Sunday, you can then start to look at what costs might look like for this proposed solution. So let's say you have two guards times two exits times 14 hours a day times seven days a week. So you have 392 hours a week. You need to pay these people quite well. So let's say it's $30 an hour. Multiply that by the number of weeks in a year. It's about $611,000 per store per year that you'll need to pay. Well, Target has 1,954 stores in the United States, so that would be about $1.2 billion to protect the stores in that manner. 
that's about the cost of the losses over two years. So it's, and it, that's every year. So let's say for the two years that they lost 1.2 billion, it would have cost them 2.4 to protect. But you need to ask another question, which we alluded to earlier. What percentage of stores have theft problems? Probably a small percentage. So if we take the $7 billion in earnings, divide that by the $700 million in theft losses, then we would get 10% of the store. So 10% of stores would be 200, around 200 stores, let's say, or $240 million a year to protect. That's certainly a lot more palatable, but it's probably still cheaper for them to close stores than it is to start securing them, and that's what Target is choosing to do. Now, you also need to consider that there's liability risk and certain states in the union not willing or able to prosecute criminals. That's a big problem. And here you can see where Target stores are distributed throughout the United States. The most concentration of stores would be in California, where they also ran into problems in 2020 with a lot of looting and rioting. So they need to make some very difficult decisions about what to do. But for you, the investor, the end result, what matters here? Well, what matters is that you just took a 20% hit on the pie you had for dividend increases. So that eight or that $7 billion number that we used earlier would have referred to fiscal 2022, whilst the net income for fiscal 2023, where they took $700 million in profit loss, that equates to about 20% of what the pie was, and then it was shaved for uh, some lazy a-holes that are eroding your quality of life. Are you just going to take that sitting down, or are you going to start to get angry when you read these numbers and start raising questions in investor meetings and online forums and the people you talk to demanding, instead, instead of people playing political ostrich, to start demanding change to fix these problems. You see, as a target investor, you would have been very happy. Three-year growth rate of dividends, 15%, five-year, 10. 10-year growth rate for your dividends, 11%. Remarkable job that Target has done of increasing dividends over time. That's coming to an end. Now, when you look at their dividend action over time, this is taken from our dividend growth investing strategy called Quantigence that looks at seven different factors for dividend growth investing stocks. Here you can see four of these laid out. I believe this is for um, consumer staples. And uh, actually, this would be uh, consumer discretionary, perhaps. I'm not particularly certain of the sector here, but the point is that you have these four sector constituents to choose from. Uh, we're actually holding Mickey D's and Lowe's, and that's not just because they're top Q-score firms. It's also because uh, they fit our strategy quite well, especially Mickey D's. Now, the problem you see here with Lowe's and Target to big box retailers is that they're both going to have to deal with these problems. And you can see here for Target, see how they take a hit on international sales? That should tell you something. You should be very... Um, aware of big box retailers that only have exposure to the United States because of this problem that we're seeing that's only getting worse over time. Here you can see Target gets quite high scores for their dividend growth at a five-year and 10-year level, but they get dinged on the international sales. So what that comes down to when we talk about big box, we've been using that term, so it's only fair to describe it. Uh, these 
refer to the appearance of large buildings occupied by huge stores that fall into several categories. First being general merchandise, so that's Walmart. It's another firm we're holding, Target and Kmart. And then you have specialty stores, Home Depot, Lowe's, Barnes & Noble, or Best Buy. These specialize in very specific areas. So these are power centers, really, that drive, as you can see in the picture on the left, that drive lots of revenue to adjacent businesses. So when they go out, that can really damage the businesses around them. Now, our exposure to big box includes Walmart, Walgreen Boots, and Lowe's. Now, we're going to look to Walmart for thought leadership in establishing the best way to keep society's freeloaders from helping themselves because Walmart has been um, quite active in technology and getting in front of problems that are coming up. And what we see them doing so far is just closing stores. They've now closed half their stores in Chirac and all their stores in Portland. And I frequent Portland on a, a regular basis, really. And um, that's another case of a city where uh, most the population on one end of the political spectrum just doesn't want to admit there's a problem and the other half won't stop talking about it. So you really have two split political parties that won't meet in the middle and figure out how to solve the problems. And indeed, they do need to solve the problems. Otherwise, there won't be any stores left in these places. Now, Big box retailers in the U.S. pose risk now to dividend growth investors in addition to the e-commerce pressures already in place. If you're an investor who's holding such stocks, watch closely how the companies handle these problems. They should talk very openly about them and be transparent and not try to sugarcoat things. And success stories need to be copied and investors need to put pressure on these firms to do so. Most of all, this emphasizes in our strategy the increasing importance of international diversification for any dividend growth champion. So I'm going to put up another video here that you might find of interest before you click that. Please click the logo on the left, subscribe to our channel, support our work. Thanks so much for taking the time to watch this today. Thank you for listening to the Nanalyze podcast. If you found this information useful, please share this episode with a friend. This helps us to continue to provide thorough research for you. Want more research like this? Want to know what we're invested in and what stocks we're avoiding? Head to nanalyze.com and consider becoming a premium annual subscriber to get access to premium articles, webinars, and our extensive tech stock catalog. Thank you for your time.